it was surreal to come back, to be honest with you, because I was a student so long ago. Mm-hmm. And so now, um, you know, I, I uh, enter the Moore building for work every day, and I see the pond, and I see the brick, and, you know, the physical location is incredibly evocative for me. It, it uh, helps me think about a very formative time in my life. I met my wife in that building. You know, I really got my foundational training that set me off on my entire career. So to come back in the capacity that I have to assist the students and faculty in achieving their goals is, is really, it's just an incredible experience. Now, as a kid, you were in Kansas and Ohio? That's right. I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, my family moved around a bit. I identify as a Midwesterner for sure and have spent uh, the greatest part of my life in the Midwest. And so Coming to Ann Arbor and, and joining the faculty at the University of Michigan really has, is coming home in a whole, whole bunch of different ways for me. When you came back to join the faculty and become dean of the school, you mentioned you recalled some of those early days. What were those feelings like going into like a Hill Auditorium for the first time and, and then as a, a leader in the organization? Well, you know, that's a that's a particularly uh, powerful uh, example, I think. I mean, we all know, those of us who have the opportunity to hear concerts or hear performances in Hill know what a spectacular acoustical environment it is. And I actually have a very clear memory of, on my audition trip to Ann Arbor, uh, hearing uh, a performance of Mahler's Third Symphony, which, and I'm a trombone player, and if you know that piece, it has a very, very important trombone solo in the first movement. And, and so, you know, that created a very deep impression on me as an auditionee for the school. The quality of the performance, the, the, the gorgeous acoustic of Hill, the physical environment and the impressiveness of that place. And, of course, in those days, Hill was all one color. It hadn't, been, hadn't yet been renovated in, in, in the beautiful way that it has. So now I come back so many years later and... Uh, I have that same impression about Hill. It's just every time I step into that place, uh, I marvel at the acoustics. And, of course, this year I've heard so many fantastic performances. It really is one of the great stages in the world in so many ways. This conversation will lend itself to kind of jumping around from early days to what's happening sure. now. So from your first experiences with Hill Auditorium, one of the historic buildings, you also have in development a brand new building for dance. Can you tell us about that? That's right. Um, we do. We, we're opening a dance facility quite centrally located with regard to the performing arts uh, in the, the winter of 2020. It'll open sometime during that time. It will be very, very complementary from an architectural standpoint. 
uh, to the Saarinen building that uh, opened back in the very early 70s. But it will be the first time, really, that dance in its long history at Michigan has a very visible, dedicated facility. And so I think it's going to be thrilling for the dance department. Uh, it's going to be so significant in terms of putting a spotlight on their work, really creating a physical presence for the work of that department. Uh, I think, you know, it's going to be tremendous in that way. But also because of its new proximity right next to the Moore Building and not very far from Walgreen Center where uh, musical theater and theater and drama are, we're going to have finally the majority of our student population coalesced up there on North Campus in close proximity. And so not only will it be great for the dance program, but you can imagine all the interesting disciplinary things that are going to, interdisciplinary things that are going to emerge from the students um, intermingling and faculty intermingling uh, when they're in close proximity. So um, it, it's a really exciting prospect for sure. Peter Warf for WRCJ. I'm speaking with David Gear. He is the dean of the School of Music, Theater, and Dance at the University of Michigan. Eight months in now, we're talking about some of the new projects and recollections of his time as an undergraduate student at the University of Michigan. You've also been associated with uh, Yale University, where you got your, your doctorate. Of, uh, of music, Baylor University, and the University of Iowa, where you had to do some rebuilding there after uh, a terrible disaster. That's true. Yeah, I, uh, the 23 years prior to arriving in Ann Arbor this fall, I spent at the University of Iowa. I first came to Iowa City as a faculty member at the School of Music there. I ran the trombone studio and, and, and enjoyed a uh, a long tenure doing that. Uh, I spent the last part of my time there as director of the School of Music, and I actually became director not long after the what was really a catastrophic event in 2008 that destroyed the primary performing arts facilities uh, on that campus, including the building that housed the the School of Music, and so in Hanter Auditorium, which was the major performing arts venue there. So, when I became uh, director of the School of Music there, the school was dispersed into many, many locations around campus. And so one of the objectives of my time in, in leadership there was to keep the, the school a, a true collaborative community and to keep everyone pulled together um, without uh, a central location and without dedicated performing space. So we really had to be creative. We saw the very, very best of people uh, I, I, you know, I have to say it was it was actually an exhilarating experience to pull together in that kind of way. Uh, but then the majority of my time at the end of my tenure at Iowa was spent helping to um, uh, design and bring online a new music building, uh, which opened in 2016, and uh, that too was thrilling. Uh, and it was relocated uh, to the center of campus, and so we kind of were, in, in some senses, uh, reborn as a school. Um, in that new facility. In an earlier interview, uh, I read or heard you talking about being a trombonist and uh, during your music career, sitting towards the back of the orchestra, kind of providing a musical foundation in many cases for an ensemble. How does that musical approach inform 
your life now as a leader, a supporter of, uh, of a musical world? You know, I, um, I think it really uh, plays an important role. I mean, there are a couple different observations I would make. First of all, trombone players are very unthreatening people. So, you know, we're, we're good colleagues. We're used to collaborating. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the other thing about being a trombone player is that when you're sitting in an orchestra, you have a lot of time to observe what's going on around you. I mean, I think you know this as a violinist, that, that the trombones come in in really important places. They do provide important undergirding and, and lots of orchestral music, but they also spend a lot of time counting rests and watching what's going on. So, you know, it gave me an opportunity to really um, t- to learn about my colleagues, to appreciate their artistry, to begin to sort of see how organizations work from, from an inside view. And so I do think it informed the way I think about uh, the way that, that organizations function at their very best. And of course, you know, you have to be collaborative because trombones come in groups typically. You know, you don't, you don't make a career as a trombone soloist. You make a career as an ensemble musician, uh, as a chamber musician. You, you, you do what you do in relation to others. So I think there's a lot of lessons that transfer over to, to leadership roles where you have to use exactly those same kinds of skills. in school 35 years ago, I was completely consumed with my discipline. I, I came to the university to study with a great teacher, to work with great conductors and great colleagues, and I was focused on becoming the very best trombone player I could become. And I don't even think I was aware of audiences. I mean, it was so, I think, insular in that way. Um, I, I feel as I return to the school that the students are, are they want all that, they come to the university for many of those same reasons, but they are very, very interested in in how their work connects in the world. And yeah. some of that has to do with the technology that they're using and the way that they have, even before they've arrived on campus, they've, they've captured, they've curated, they've workshopped, they've sometimes even monetized their own uh, creative work. So they're already connected to a larger community and aware of that community. But I think a lot of it is motivated by their desire to to make a difference in the world. So, so many of our students are motivated around reaching communities, reaching underserved communities, addressing pressing issues, having their art really be, you know, part of, uh, of, of what changes the society around them for the better. So, you know, we've created a school now that has great breadth, that has many, many different services and programs that support their development and their capacity to reach audiences. So I think that's an important fundamental difference. I think, I, I think you're spot on with that. Thinking back two, three decades ago, that connection wasn't there as much. It wasn't. And, and I don't think it was, I mean, I think it was the time, I think, in some way. And, and I don't think uh, any of us could be faulted. Uh, and I have to say that our students today bring the same single-minded dedication to the development of their craft and art. And they come for all of that. But then they have this additional layer that's on top of that. And of course, that really puts Michigan in such a great place because we are a university that has tremendous intellectual resources, that is so connected worldwide, that has the breadth and depth that can serve that that curiosity that so many of our students bring to, to connect their art in omnidirectional ways. I wanted to also mention real quick sort of one of your superstar 
alumni most recently, and you're, you're, you're nodding in anticipation of Jeffrey Seller, who has kind of hit it big recently and was, <laughs> was, was here on campus not long ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Jeffrey Seller actually wasn't in the School of Music, Theater, and Dance. I think he might have been a political science major. Oh, really? But he is, and, and I think that tells a really interesting mm. story. I mean, we exist as a school, a very vibrant school with 1,100 students and 900 concerts a year. We exist embedded in this university at which there is also an unbelievable amount of other kind of artistic activity that happens. So so we, we are happy to, to call Jeffrey Seller one of our own, but, but we do that in the sense that he's a Michigan grad and still, of course, very, very loyal and uh, interested in the University of Michigan and, and what's going on in the School of Music, Theater, and Dance for sure. David Gere is dean at the University of Michigan School of Music, Theater, and Dance. David, thanks again for coming in. My pleasure. Damn fool that shot him. There's a million things I haven't done.